So throughout this series on Rooted, we've been uh, building it off of, I've built it off of this one foundational scripture, and um, I understand, thank you for the comments, um, I understand that many of you are hearing songs that you haven't heard in 20 years uh, with some of the, the titles that we've pulled as we've aggressively and selectively pulled from 80s and 90s hit love songs as our titles. You know, we've talked about, I want to know what love is and how that in many ways, that's a lot of, a lot of the, the heart cry of our world right now. There's such confusion about love and I want to know what love is. And everybody's searching for love. We talked about how that God is love. But for us, we have to understand that that is not about an emotion. When it says God is love, it doesn't say he feels love for you. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, isn't he cute? It says God is love. It's his person. He cannot be anything else but love. Well, then how do we balance that with a world that is going crazy? Well, we look at our expressions of love. And in the area of marriage, my wife has every right to be angry with me if I violate my covenant with her. Right? Come on, ladies. You're just going to be happy if your guy steps out on you? Heck no. You got every right to be angry, get in his face, call him on it, threaten him with everything. Like, you know, the Flintstones putting him outside with the cat. And by the same token, because God is love, he has every right to look at a culture and a world that has violated a relationship with him. And he has every right to be angry. Why? Because he's possessive. It's a good message. It'll challenge you a little bit. I want to know what love is. Then we, we, then we, we got really personal and... and we, we talked about, what's love got to do, got to do with it? And we talked about how that I really believe that's a lot of Christians. Yeah. We come to church. We go to our small groups. We say we love. But in reality, what, we're, what we do is we come in and we punch in a card on Sunday morning. And we punch out when we leave and we're done. Yeah. The idea of loving in our everyday life is somewhat foreign. And that should not be. Because God, if we have accepted Christ, God is in us. Well, if God is love, what is in you? So why do we have such a hard time loving people whose color is different than ours? I had a friend of mine one day. Um, I grew up on the wrong side of the track, so I didn't understand a lot of the racial stuff because my pet name when I was growing up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma was white stuffing. And it wasn't talking about this. It was because I was a single white kid amongst all my black friends. And I didn't know any different. They were my brothers, Sydney and Ronnie and Mike. We grew up playing ball together since, since we were like six years old. I didn't know any different. I knew that our churches were different. I knew that, I know that white people, we get tired with four songs. 
you ain't got a shot at a black church. Because they will worship for an hour. Look, the preacher can sit there and write two messages during the worship segment. You see, they understand sometimes you've got to praise the hell out of you so the heaven can get in. And we want to be comfortable and do it and move on. What's love got to do with it? Man, we need to deal with that inside of us. So we, we've had some fun with 80s songs. And, and I've pulled one of my favorite ones for today. The greatest love of all. One of Whitney Houston's most fantastic songs. She sings this song. When I listen to it, even today, even though she's gone, praise the Lord for recordings. Because I can put it on. It's like she's right there on my TV screen. And I get tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, what an angelic voice. I know today, I don't care what you may think about her, I know today that she is singing the glories in heaven. And I know God is enjoying her angelic voice. Amen. And she sang this song, The Greatest Love of All. And as we enter Passion Week, what a better title for what we are about to begin celebrating. Because we are celebrating the greatest love of all. But I want to dive into that for a few minutes. And I want to start by asking you to consider this question. For what did Jesus die? And for many of us that have grown up in church, the immediate answer is probably something like this. He died for my sins. No, he didn't. And I want to show it to you in the Bible. Jesus did not die for your sins. He died because of your sins. He died because of the sins of humanity. But he did not die for the sins of humanity. Do you see the difference? I might do something because you've done something to me. If you offend me, I'll forgive you because... You have offended me, but the drive to forgive you is something completely different than the reason I'm forgiving. So, well then, for what did he die? Turn to Romans in your Bibles, you know this thing here. Or if it's on your phone, that's fine. Turn to Romans chapter 5. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. Yet I want to point out one key word that is so huge. Look at it with me. But God demonstrated his own love for, say that with me. You don't have your Bibles? Romans 5.8. I thought I said that. I'm sorry. I just said Romans 5, didn't I? Maybe you need to read the whole chapter. You never know. Romans 5, 8. Let's try this together. My apologies. Uh, uh, okay. But God demonstrated his own love for In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for He died for you because of your sins. But he died for you. Why would he die for you? Because you have intrinsic value that you do not understand or believe. Yeah. We don't believe it. And we don't understand it. 
Because we live a life consistently discounting ourselves because we've been taught and we've been raised in a society that you are how you perform. You are what you do. Let me tell you something. What you do does not define who you are. Who you are will motivate what you do, but it doesn't define who you are. Come on, if you are, if what you do defines you, then please tell me why some of you are still not sitting around going, because you did that at one point in your life, but you grew and you outgrew, and now you're talking. And now I'm praying that some of you grow out of talking into, that the Spirit of God gets inside of you and dominates who you are. We've got to grow into who we were created to be because that's who he died for. Well, but I've done this and I've done that. I I almost, um, and I'm glad I didn't do this because I would have probably embarrassed somebody today. But I almost did this, so just play an analogy like I did, okay? Imagine that I had a coat on, all right? And, and I had this coat on, and I'm preaching and everything, and I'm looking all right. And then I take the coat off, and I turn around, and I show you what you can't see. And what you can't see is a shirt that is dirty and cut up and ragged and got stains all over the back of it. That's how a lot of us live our Christian life. We clean up the side we see, but we don't deal with the stuff we can't see. And the greatest love of all doesn't just want you to live happy here. He wants you to learn to live happy everywhere. He wants you to learn to not have just healing here, but to be healed of the things that you're carrying, that you're ignoring, that you think don't matter anymore, but they're still weighing you down and they're dominating who you are today because you refuse to get into a mirror and look at them and deal with them. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This perfect love, this, this uh, uh, greatest love of all begins, number one, with the revelation of what perfect love is. Perfect love is the love expressed by the person of love. Perfect love is love expressed by the person of love. Perfect love. Let's look at this really quickly. One chapter I would in really encourage you to read. I'm serious. I was joking on the other one. But this one, I would, I would encourage you to read 1 John 4. Some of you probably ought to read it every day for a while. We're going to read some of it as I express to you perfect love. Beginning at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Now, Jesus didn't Jesus say that, the, that love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't deal with the rags in your past, you don't really love yourself. But Jesus has covered my sins. Yeah, but you're still carrying a lot of pain and hurt. And until you deal with the pain and the hurt... You're not becoming who God died for, Christ died for. He wants you whole. He wants you healed not only in your spirit. Listen to the first and greatest commandment out of Jesus' own mouth. Love God with all your heart. With all your soul. That's the stuff I'm talking about. And with all your mind. That's thinking the way that God thinks about you. 
Well, how do we love each other? For love comes from God, and everyone who has been born of God and knows God, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if we have resentment in our heart towards others, the real problem is not resentment. It's that we don't know God. If you are okay with a fractured world on racial lines, you don't know God. If you treat somebody different because of their ethnicity, you don't know God. If you treat somebody differently because of their socioeconomic level, you don't know God. Welcome to church. This is how God showed his love among us. So among a world that didn't know love, among a world that was racially divided in Jesus' day, they were, among a world that was divided and had issues, God comes and shows perfect love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. If you've experienced God's love for you, you should naturally love other people. Makes complete sense, right? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love the phrase around here, the completed work of Christ, which means you don't have to work for what God has already done through Christ. Amen. But his, his work is not complete if we don't love each other, Amen. if we don't love people, if we don't deal with those issues inside of us. His love hasn't been made complete. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. How do we love people we don't want to love? We learn to rely on the love that God has for us. I am so thankful that God does not treat me as I deserve. You know what I deserve? I deserve damnation and separation from him for eternity. But he doesn't treat me as I deserve. He loves me. And therefore, he did everything he could to make it possible for me, if I will accept Christ, to be restored to the relationship I was originally designed to have with him. That's an incredible amount of love. And it bothers me sometimes, even though we, are, we pray for healings and, and, and all that, it bothers me sometimes that we, we discount the greatest miracle of all is rooted in the greatest love of all, that your eternity is secured if you accept Christ. That's the greatest miracle of all. But that love should compel us in how we deal with each other. Continuing. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever doesn't love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they can't see. 
We were talking in our small group Wednesday night. Uh, we've been going through the book of Colossians. And we got to the, one of my favorite sections in the book of Colossians. Yeah. Wives, love your husbands. I love it. Wives, take care of your men. That's not what it says. Husbands, love your wives. And I love it when Paul is very passionate about something because he'll write it in several different places in his letters. And what he, what he puts in Colossians 3, he echoes from Ephesians chapter 5 where he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. For the church. And as he goes through this list of, of, of husbands loving their wives and, and wives submitting to husbands, hang on for a second, and, 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 and uh, masters not abusing slaves. Now hold on, don't go thinking American slaves. It was a different context there. But here's the point in every one of those levels, the way it happens is not that I see Kevin. but I learn to see the Christ in Kevin. And I love the Christ that's in Kevin. I don't just love Kevin. I will submit myself and care for my wife, not because she's my wife and a great gift and a beautifully hot lady. Praise God, he makes it easy. Oh, and she ain't here to give me a high five. Anyway, she's traveling today. But I love and respect her because of the Christ that, that is in her. She respects me not because of my gender, but because of the Christ that's in me. When you are at work, because all of us know, those of us that, 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 that work and get a paycheck, you know, the, the dude that signs the checks, the master. But when you work, don't work to get a paycheck. Work because you're serving Christ. Because the, the guy who writes your paycheck isn't really your master. He isn't really the source of your provision. Christ is. So, Lord, I'm going to do everything I can as if I'm doing it directly to you. Which is why the Bible says whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. Don't do it with half your heart. Do it with everything. Serve him with 100% of your heart. Love each other, not because we are pretty and, and we like each other, but we love each other because of the Christ that is within us. Now, that makes sense here. Amen? Yes. All right. So now when you're driving this afternoon and you see that person standing on the street corner that you want to turn your head away, I want you to remember there's Christ in them. Where's the love for them? When someone steps into the elevator and you want to pull your purse a little bit closer... There's Christ in them. Love the Christ that's in them. Do you understand what I'm getting at? We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The Bible also says, perfect love casts out fear. And the reason why we act this way towards each other is because we're afraid. But perfect love casts out fear. 
And in the scripture where it's talking about perfect love, it specifically ties this perfect love. It goes on in the next verse. It, it says, if, if you are afraid, you're afraid of judgment and you've not met God. You're afraid of judgment, but you've not. What would be, why would we be afraid of judgment? Because of the stuff that's under our coat that we want to ignore, but we know is still there. And yet, we are challenged and encouraged to deal with those. We need a revelation of perfect love. Can I show you in the story of Jesus really quickly how this progresses? The revelation of perfect love is centered in understanding who God says you are. Jesus is stepping out into the beginning of his ministry in Matthew and uh, Matthew chapter 3 he is baptized the dove comes and descends upon him and a voice comes from heaven that declares his identity this is my son in whom i'm well pleased perfect love i love him because he's my son immediately after that jesus is then taken and He's challenged on the, does he really believe what he has heard from God? So, per, so uh, the greatest love of all begins with understanding perfect love, but then it is going to be proven through testing. Now, Jesus went and did in 40 days what some of us are still, still spending 40 years trying to accomplish. And that is coming to know who we really are. Because what was the three temptations? That the enemy did to Jesus when he was in the wilderness. You know what? We can talk about turning stones to bread. I could preach on that. That, that G- Jesus was tempted with providing for his own needs. Taking care of his flesh. Do you know that same thing came out later in Jesus' life? Where he'd been fasting for days and his disciples were concerned. Because he hadn't eaten. And they begged him to get up and eat something. And he said, I have food you don't know about. He understood that his flesh wasn't dominating him. And some of us have yet to get over that issue right there. We're dominated by our flesh and our needs and our desires. But the real test wasn't the turning the stones into bread. The real test was if you are the son of God. If your identity really is that, then prove it by turning Something lifeless into something that gives life. Well, he did. Just not that day in the wilderness. He did on Easter when he took something that was dead and was inside of a rock. And he brought new life out of it on Easter morning. But in that moment, it was about understanding who he really was. And he didn't take care of his physical needs. He trusted in his relationship with the Father who is Jehovah Jireh, our provider of everything that we need. Some of us need to deal with that test in our own life. Second thing, he was taken. And, and, and he was taken and he was shown, he was put on a high pinnacle. And said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off. Because the word says that he won't let your stone, your, your foot crash against a stone. You aren't, I am not a son of God because I speak well. And I may not be today, I'm just talking out of my heart. I am not a son of God because I perform well. I do not have to perform. My identity is rooted in who he said I am. And I don't have to prove it to you or anybody. I am who he says I am. Amen. 
Now, I don't have time to show you the scripture, but it, 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 it's there. Um, it's actually in 1 John. Um, it, says, it says that while we are here, we are like Christ. Right. So you know what I am? I am the son in whom he is well pleased. Do you know who you are? You are the son in whom he is well pleased. You are the daughter in whom he is well pleased. Oh, but I've got all these rags on my back. You are the daughter in whom he is well pleased. What you do or have done does not define who you are or your value. It's rooted in who he says you are. And the challenge of life is us learning that we don't have to go 40 years to get this. Jesus went through the wilderness, so I don't have to. But I can put myself in a wilderness if I want to. If I want to fight it and not accept it. But I just want you to know, you do not have to perform to prove your value to God. Third test. He took him and showed him the kingdoms of the world. If you'll worship me, I'll give you everything. If you're the son of God, I'll give you everything if you'll worship me. And man, if there's anything that, that, that attracts a lot of us, it's what we see with our eyes. It's the stuff that we think we got to have to be happy. It's the stuff we think we got to have to be complete. And in that moment, Jesus says, you're not going to tempt the Lord your God. Right. Do you know why? Because according to the Bible, the Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. You're tempting me with something you don't even have the authority to give me. Right. Man, the Father is the key to everything in your life. Don't look at the stuff. Look to him and let him take care of your stuff. All right? Now, so it begins with perfect love, with a revelation of perfect love that's rooted in understanding who God says you are. And I'm here to tell you that if you have accepted Christ, you're pleasing to him. Can, can we go a little farther? If you haven't accepted Christ, you're pleasing to him because he died for you. He died for that which is valuable. That's perfect love. Well, then, well, if, I, if, I've, if I've done all of that, if I've accepted Christ and he's forgiven me of everything, then I don't really need to deal with anything else. Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this. Insist on it in the Lord. I'm beginning at verse 17, and then I'll, I'll be finished. Insist on the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. We've taught you around here, re repentance is not saying I'm sorry. That's not the full definition of the Greek word for repentance. The word repentance has to do with changing your mind, switching how you think, changing how you think about yourself, changing how you think about the world, changing how you think about others. you got to change how you think to change really who you are. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. He's talking about Gentiles. Now skip over to verse 22. Now he's talking to those that have accepted Christ, that the life of Christ is in them. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. The mind is the key. Be changing the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self 
created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen to me. You are not going to be righteous because you do the right things. You're not going to be holy because you abstain from things. You are righteous. You are holy because Jesus covers everything that is unrighteous and unholy about you. He's done it. It's complete in him. But, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Do you know how we give the devil a foothold? With bitterness and holding things against each other. But doing that, doesn't, that means we don't love each other. But I have a right to hold on to it. Don't you see this thing that they did to me? No, you don't. Do you know the things that you've done to God that God has let go of? Love others as he's loved you. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Uh-huh. Put that straw back at Starbucks. But must work doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now why is that important? Is it because if you say the word dang you're going to hell? No. It's because your words have power. Your words show, your words tell a lot about your, 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 uh, uh, where you are in life. They tell a lot about your intellect. They tell a lot about the life inside of you. If I can get into a room, close my eyes, and I can listen to, to people talking. I can tell if they have life in them or not just by the words that they use. Well, if you have life in you, make sure your words are declaring that life. Yeah. So does that mean sometimes we got to learn to have hard conversations with each other? Yes. But we do it because we love each other and we want to deal with the stuff so the enemy doesn't have a foothold to sow bitterness into us. Now here's my point in all of this. Christ did everything. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. Who you are in Christ because of what Christ has done. But in this section right here, do you notice the challenge is on the believer to deal with this stuff? It's on the believer to start processing through the victory of Christ through the hurts of their life. We are very poor at this in the Western church. I'm, I'm believing a new life. We're going to be different. I want you to know it's important for you to process through your stuff. I've had to learn this the hard way. I don't often share books that have helped me, but I want to share one with you. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scarzero. This book is all about coming to realize your feelings are not evil. They're real. Do you know that God feels? Jesus saw people, and the Bible says he was moved with compassion and healed them. What's compassion? It's a feeling. Your feelings are part of God's creative miracle in you. Now, you don't live by your feelings because feelings are fickle. Feelings will lie to you. Think of your feelings as a filter for your soul. 
But we need to learn how to deal with our feelings, how to deal with our stuff. The other day, something happened that caused me to get angry. I was angry. I was mad. I didn't talk to this person who I who we we talk on the regular. I didn't talk to this person for days, and it felt like years. But I was hurt. I was offended. Those are real things. Now what a lot of us do is we bury those things and don't deal with them. We get cut on the back and we just put the coat on and ignore it and think time will heal all wounds. No, it will not. But I sat down over a couple of days and began to dive into my feelings. Why am I angry? What about this is why, why does this make me angry? What is it? Why am I hurt? What was the offense? Was there an offense? Or, is, or are my emotions just going crazy? And I was able to narrow it down over a couple of days to what was really going on. And then I prayed and asked God to forgive the person. No. God's perfect love is in me. God, God has perfectly loved me. So I must love others the way God has loved me. So I had to pick up the phone and I had to send a text to this person. I said, hey, we need to talk. Not on the phone and I'm not okay. And we got together and we sat down and I said, okay, this is about me, I'm telling you right now, so you don't get to talk. <laughs> Let me get this out. And I expressed why I was hurt and what had happened. And do you know that once I got it out to this person, healing was really quick. Do most people mean to offend us? No. Most of us walk around with wounds that aren't healed. That's why we're so sensitive to words. That's why we're sensitive to what other people do. We need a breakthrough. We need the Spirit of God to break through the hardness and the wounds of our past and heal some stuff that we want to ignore. But perfect love loves even your hurts. And we sit there and talked it out. And love overcame the offense. Do you do that with those that have hurt you? Or do you, like I'm saying, put a coat on, pray about it privately, and then wish it all away? If we don't love each other in here like this, like I'm talking about, then the love of God's not in us. And I want the love of God to be in us. And for that to happen, we gotta, we got to deal with this stuff we're hiding. And I want you to come next Sunday. Got a powerful word next Sunday. On Easter Sunday, the theme of the day is come alive. But when you see what I believe God wants to speak to, that he wants to bring to life, it just might surprise you.
but it starts right now by admitting our shirts are torn, tattered, we're hiding stuff, and we need perfect love to break through. Our foundational scripture has been about being rooted and established in love. Have you ever thought about how powerful roots are? They can break up concrete. Did you know that? The driest ground, they can break through. You can put obstacles in front of a root, and a root will find a way around it. God's perfect love wants to break up some of your old hard ground. He wants to break through some of the, some of the, the, the concrete that you've covered over your hurts and your pains and your, 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 the things of your past. He wants to break through it, break it open, and he wants to dig through all of the excuses you might have why he can't love you or you can't love this person or you can't walk in this fullness like I'm talking about. If you will let him, he can begin that process right now today because I'm talking about the greatest love of all. Would you stand today?